lucky to be joined on Football CFB today by an English Premier League winner, Luke Chadwick. Luke, thanks for joining me. No worries at all. Thanks for having me. Now, the first question I've got for you is, yourself as a kid, you, you came through the system at Manchester United. Just what was that like from a standards and coaching point of view? Yeah, it was obviously the biggest club in the world, probably still is now, but to go up there as a young boy from the small village that I lived in, in sort of the south of Cambridge, it was a, a different world, obviously a really eye-opening experience and a dream come true really to from playing in village football to then go up and play for a club, a club like Man United was incredible. In terms of going from the village to United, when you get there, what's it like being in that youth system and who were the sort of players you came through the system with at the same time? So the players that really had brilliant careers in the game that were a similar age to me, the same age in my year was John O'Shea, who obviously had an incredible career at Man United. And Wes Brown was the year above two fantastic players. I think there was a fair few others, the likes of David Healy, he was a year above, who didn't have a, a bad career in the game. Richie Wellens, who's a manager of Swindon, he was an exceptional young player, he was a year above. Michael Stewart, a Scottish lad that went on to have a career in the game. So there's a fair few that didn't hit the heights of John and Wes, but a few of us that did manage to have a career in the game all the same. You mentioned the fact that even if you didn't have a career, a sustained career at Manchester United that you've mentioned with some of those guys and, and yourself, although you were there for a, for a good period, what was it about Manchester United that prepared the players in the youth system, do you think, to, to if they didn't make it at United, have the resilience to go and make a career elsewhere? Because all the guys you've mentioned, including yourself, have had really good careers overall. Yeah, I think that word you use there is really important, that resilience and to be brought up at... Man United sort of throughout the youth teams as a schoolboy, then a scholar, then a young professional, it teaches you the what's demanded at the at the best club in the world, really. You get the standards that are set and whether you're the likes of Ryan Giggs that go on to have incredible careers at Manchester United or the likes of someone like me, it does give you the them standards to go and take off to other clubs where the standards probably aren't as high in terms of what's expected of you and gives you the opportunity to have a career in the game. Something I'm interested to ask you, when you come through at United and you get the chance to go up and train with the first team and then get kind of trying to break in, what's that like training alongside those superstars, Giggs, Scholes, Keane, Beckham, and what's Alex Ferguson like with you when you go up for the first time? Well, it's um, obviously a nerve-wracking situation. I was a real quiet, shy lad who'd sort of moved up there, and I was really uncomfortable. I used to dread getting told that I was training with a first team. I was obviously more comfortable in my own environment with the youth team, whoever I was training with at the time. But once you get used to it, they accept you into the to the group, into the dressing room. And it's, a, like, it's amazing to train with world-class players every day. It's sort of pinch yourself time. Is this, is this really happening to me? I think when you speak about Sir Alex, he he sort of knows you from a young age. He was the one that asked me to sign for the club as a 14-year-old boy. He's the one that sort of knows everyone throughout the club. So he, the way he ran the club was a genius, really, because of how much detail he went into and how much he'd take time to build relationships with the people from that cleaned the kit up to the first-team players that were captain of England at the time. He was an incredible obviously part of that club. 
somebody I'm, I'm desperate to ask about in terms of characters on the training field is Roy Keane. We all see him on Sky. We've all watched him as a player, a phenomenal footballer. He demands the highest possible standards. Is, is that the way he is with every player, regardless of whether they're a 100-cap international or a young boy going up to train for the first team for the first time? Yeah, without a doubt. Exactly the same with everyone. It was sort of when we were coming through, the young lads, we used to sort of have a little joke amongst ourselves that we, we didn't really want to be on his team in a training game because you knew if you slipped up or you weren't at your best, you'd get told in no uncertain terms. But saying that, it was him, his standards on the training pitch that really drove everyone else to be up to be up to them standards. So every day, it was intense. And come a game day on a Saturday, everyone was so prepared and the games were probably easier than training because it was so intense and so driven to be at such a high standard. Off the pitch as a captain, he was an incredible man who really looked after the whole squad, particularly us young players. As a young boy, me coming through, he'd, I couldn't drive at the time. He'd go out his way to pick me up from a flat and take me into training. So although he demanded the best on the pitch, which is correct at a club like Man United, off the pitch, he was a massive support for the whole squad, particularly the young players coming through. See, when you were coming through, were you still at the era where you were able to do jobs and clean the boots of some players, or was that out the game by the time you came through? No, no, I think we were still, unfortunately, we still had to do all that sort of thing. And it was, again, the standards at Man United was probably different because when we used to, we had to clean the, the whole of the cliff training ground after everyone had gone home. But obviously the manager had stayed too late, so he would be the person that checked the jobs. So if he ran his finger across the top of the door and there was still dust on it, we'd be there for another hour or so cleaning up some more so again it's all it was horrible at the time but it's part of growing up and like I say it stands you in good stead going forward whatever obviously a lot of the lads didn't have careers in football but even the careers they went into I think being brought up at Man United helps a lot once you let go by the club. You mentioned that aspect there of doing the jobs, training with the youth teams, the reserves, going to the first team, training alongside the likes of Keane, the standards he sets, the manager, the coaching staff. When it comes to making your debut for Manchester United, are you nervous, are you buzzing, or is it a mix of the two? I think when I made my debut, I was actually 17. We played a, um, what, a Worthington Cup game, like a League Cup game, that the manager used to play a lot of young players. So it was obviously a nerve-wracking experience, but it was quite maybe comforting to know that you were playing with a lot of your teammates in the youth team. It probably weren't the strongest Man United team. We went down to Villa Park and played them. We got beat 3-0 against a really experienced Aston Villa team at the time. But then, like as a kid, it's your dream. Just to play one game in professional football is like a dream come true. So that buzz you get from being on a pitch in front of a massive crowd, it was a, a nerve-wracking, but at the same time, it is, it's what you've, been planning for your whole life as a kid so to actually achieve that I think everyone's debut in first team football wherever it is is always a massive buzz really. In terms of those League Cup games you mentioned the fact that Sir Alex had a reputation for putting young players into those games but also putting young players into big games if he felt they were good enough what does he say to you before a first team debut does he try and relax you? Yeah I think in, in my case he never really spoke to me individually he'd probably tell me during the week that I was to start the game but I think even the man of that 
ilk saying that you're starting a game, it makes you feel like a, a 30 foot tall, just look like just to, to know that he trusts you to play you in that game. I think he didn't really have to re- put your mind at rest or anything like that, leading the half hour before the game. It'd be done during the week. And just to know that he was one of them people where if he gave you any praise, it'd, it'd feel so good. It'd make the stand, the hairs on the back of your neck stand up because he was a god, really, at Manchester United and everything, all the standards were set by him and all you wanted to do, all everyone wanted to do was try and impress him and get some praise from him. Something that really interests me about your career is the fact you went to Antwerp and you went to Belgium on loan. What was that like for you from a development point of view, but also the culture of it all? Because a lot of younger players now in football, as you know, are going out to Germany from the Premier League to, to gain experience. But back then it wasn't so common. So what was it like back then to experience a new culture and a new way of football? Yeah, it's probably... I was out there for about nine months. It's probably nine of the best months of my life. I absolutely loved it out there. Obviously, it was my first experience playing first-team football, regular games in first-team football and living away, sort of, you feel like you're turning into an adult. You you choose what you do your own time. There's three of us out there to start with living in a hotel. You feel like you've got a bit of freedom, like you can sort of do what you want. It was an amazing experience, both in a in football terms and obviously as a life experience, as a 18, 19-year-old boy staying in a different country and just sort of growing up, really. What was the standard like out there in terms of playing? So the first season I went out there, we were in the equivalent of the the championship, the second division, and we we won that league. The standard was was quite was as good as I'd ever played in because obviously I'd just come from reserve team football. Then when I went back out there the second season, we were in the top league playing the likes of Anderlecht and Club Bruges. So the standard was was really good, although it was a completely different style of play to what I was used to in England, where it was a lot more of a patient build-up teams keeping possession a lot more. It was a different game, but something I, I thoroughly enjoyed doing. In terms of yourself as well, I, I mentioned in my intro the Premier League winner, and the reason I felt it was important to mention that is because a lot of people forget when United won that title in 2000 to 2001, you played 16 times the, the year they won the league. And I think a lot of people just assume that Oh, look, Chadwick, Premier League winner, played a couple of games off the bench, but you actually played 16 games that season. Yeah, I'd, I'd, a lot of them would have been coming off the bench, and obviously it's something to tell your grandkids that you won the Premier League, but I appreciate that if I weren't in that squad, I'm pretty sure the club still would have won the Premier League that season, but at the same time, I'm not going to give up the opportunity to to be known as someone who won the Premier League, which is obviously something that loads of players that much better than me haven't achieved so it was, it's something that I'll um, probably didn't appreciate that much back then as a young boy but as I get older it's something that I'll certainly tell the grandkids about I think. In terms of that you mentioned the fact that you're coming off the bench for those games but although you, although you, you do say oh they'd probably still win it anyway as I say 16 appearances in the league is you still play a, a, a part in it and you're part of that squad in terms of, as you say, with hindsight, looking back on that, just how proud are you to, to have played alongside the players that you did at United, your Keane Scholes, Butts, Beckhams, all the, all the top players that were there at the time? Because, as you say, although you were off the bench, you were still part of a Premier League winning team alongside some of the best players to, to ever grace the league. 
yeah, that obviously hugely proud of that achievement. I was still, it still doesn't even all these years on doesn't really seem real. I, when I moved up to Manchester as a 16 year old boy, I, I never really saw myself breaking into the first team, but saw it as such a huge opportunity to go and cut my teeth with the biggest club in the world. So to have played one minute of one game for them would have been amazing. But like you say, to have played in a fair few and was part of a squad that, that achieved the winning the Premier League is something that I'm hugely proud of. And as I say, winning the Premier League is something that many high-profile players, as you've mentioned, haven't haven't had the chance to do. So it's an achievement that should be celebrated. And the obvious question, I suppose, is when you're playing at Old Trafford, what's that experience like? Because I've been to watch games there and it's just an incredible place to watch football. I can only imagine and dream of what it's like to actually play there. Yeah, like, it's, um, I went back there at the end of my career when I was playing for Cambridge United and went on the pitch and just thought, wow, I, c- I couldn't believe that I'd actually played in that environment on that stadium on a regular occurrence years ago. I think as a young player coming through, you just sort of, you just sort of on the ride. You probably don't appreciate it as much, but to go back and to look back and to have that opportunity to go and play there for another club, it does the magnitude of the size of everything there really does hit home. I think as a young player coming through, you're just sort of part of the furniture at the club. You play some reserve games there, so you sort of get used to it. And then I do remember my Premier League debut against Middlesbrough coming on there. And it was probably was winning 2-1, I think. And there's only about two minutes left, but I got to go on the pitch. And it just felt, at the end of the game, I just had a permanent grin on my face because it was just amazing to have been on the pitch in a Premier League game and sort of been part of that. So it is, looking back, it's probably a lot more, feels a lot more incredible of an experience than it did at the time, if you know what I mean. Yeah, no, that makes sense. And something else, you obviously went to Antwerp and loan that, as you've said, helped you grow as, a, as not only a player, but a person. You also had some domestic loans with Reading and Burnley. What were those loans like? Who were the big characters in both dressing rooms? And how did the managers treat you on a kind of man management level? I think after the Antwerp loan, I come back and played some the season at Man United. And then after that, I sort of slipped away. And I think when I went on loan to Reading and then to Burnley, I sort of already knew that my time at United was was over in terms of planning the first team there. So it was sort of getting myself in a position to sign for another club. I loved my time at Reading and Burnley. I, I went to Reading for three months when we was sort of scrapping around for a playoff place. Alan Pardew was in charge and there were some really fantastic players there, big characters, the likes of Steve Sed- Sidwell, James Harper, Nicky Forster, A.D. Williams, Nicky Shaw. It was a really good squad at the time. So it was a, an enjoyable, enjoyable time, I think. Alan Pardew took me there because obviously I'd experienced some big games playing for Man United and to sort of help the squad still as a young player myself. It was probably a completely different sort of story at Burnley where I went there for a season-long loan and we sort of struggled around towards the bottom of the table, didn't get relegated but survived. But there, I would say it's probably the most enjoyable season I've ever had off the pitch because the the characters there were hilarious and every every day in the dressing room, the likes of um, Glenn Little, Tony Grant, Robbie Blake, 
the gaffer Stan Turner and his coach Sam Ellis, Ronnie Jepson. There were some amazing characters there, and it was a lot different to Man United, but thoroughly enjoyable part of my journey as a football player. In terms of Stan Turner, I've recently interviewed Steve Davis and Andy Payton, who played under him, and, and, they, and they speak very highly of him, both in a coaching point of view, but also the man management side. Just, just describe the character of Stan for us. Yeah, Stan certainly wears his heart on his sleeve and he wouldn't be um, quick. To, he wants things to be right and had a bit of a short temper if things weren't going right. But at the same time, he always... He cared for his players so much. I think if you speak to most players, obviously to be a manager, you've got to have a lot of tactical knowledge and that sort of thing. But I think the most important thing is how they treat their players. And with Stan, he was close friends with Sir Alex Ferguson. He had that similar thing where you really wanted to do well for him because you knew that he cared for you. He was a, a fantastic man. Before we move on from leaving United permanently to, to go to West Ham, I want to ask you about a few of the characters. Um, first of all, being David Beckham, someone who obviously, worldwide star, someone who, in my personal opinion, doesn't get the credit for how good he was as a footballer. Is that something that you would agree with as well? Um, I think he, early days that might be the case. I think there was a lot of what surrounded him off the pitch, maybe took over what he'd done on it. But I think as he moved on and developed into the England captain, I think then he sort of got the recognition that he definitely deserved, as you say, as an incredible, an incredibly talented player. And obviously went on to do great things at Real Madrid as well after his time at Old Trafford. In terms of another person I want to ask you about, Gary Neville. We know him all from Sky Sports, watching him at United, the captain, heart in his sleeve. People always describe him as a busy character. What was he like when you were there? Yeah, I think that's probably a, the right way to describe him. He's busy, but he was he was so massive in that dressing room in terms of, again, making sure the standards were right, but all, always wanting to organise. Every, he organised everything, really, in terms of if we were going on a night out or going for a trip somewhere with the lads. He'd be in charge of that and really pull everyone together. I'd say he was priceless in that dressing room for what he'd done and the way he pulled people together but like a real busy character like you say but I think sometimes the word busy can be used in a negative way when you need characters like that if you want to be successful. In terms of yourself look something that interests me with you is you decide to go on the loan spells which is admirable especially going abroad at a young age you then choose West Ham as the club to move to permanently. Was Alan Pardew a big reason for you going there? And what did Sir Alex say when you left United? Because a lot of ex-United players always say that he's always very helpful, especially when it comes to, to leaving the club. Yeah, Alan Pardew was a massive part of that. Another, I really wanted to get back down south. We'd just had, my partner had just had a baby and we wanted to be back around family. So the journey from where I live in Cambridge to West Ham was 45, 50 minutes to the training ground. So that had a massive pull as well. And of course, West Ham being a brilliant football club. The, in terms of Sir Alex, I think after I played my first season at United, going into the second season, I had suffered with some injuries around my pelvis and hip area, which resulted in surgery. And after I come back from that surgery, I never, the, the main thing or the main thing that made me stand out 
as a player was having really good pace. And I think when I come back from that surgery, I sort of didn't have that same electric pace that was the main part of my game that gave me the opportunity to play at a world a world class club like Man United. And the, after that, the, the manager was quite honest with me, saying that like without that, you I can't see you, you won't be a Man United player, and I think it will be a struggle for you to be a Premier League player. So, which is I think you need to, it was hard to hear that sort of thing, but honesty is the best policy. So when given the opportunity to go to West Ham, which were a top championship club, it was a great opportunity for me. I sort of jumped at the chance to to sign there. In terms of West Ham as a club, Upton Park, obviously I know they're at the Olympic Stadium now, but Upton Park was a ground that always just had a, a unique feel for me when you, when you watched it. The fans were really on top of the pitch. What was it like to play there and describe the characters that you played with at West Ham? Because it was a good team that Alan Pardew put together. Yeah, it was a brilliant. Some great players, some great names in there. Obviously, the likes of um, Stephen Bywater and goal. Teddy Sheridan, we saw in there, was obviously an absolute dream to play with. Bobby Zamora, Marlon Harewood, Mark Noble, Matt Everett. It was a fantastic squad. At Upton Park, when things are going well at Upton Park, it's the, it's the best place to play football. It's the atmosphere, like you say, the fans are right in top of you. you can, it's a real um, family feel to the club. At the time, we had some real tough times that season, sort of scraped into the playoffs in the end. And there was times when when the, fan, the fans aren't happy there. They certainly make it known and you can hear about it. So, is it, like you say, it's a, it's a shame, a real shame. I think they had to move from there to, to move forward as a football club. But Upton Park was a hugely special place to play football and the atmosphere was second to none there. I'm interested to ask about someone like Teddy Sheringham because you've played with the guys like Keen Schools when they're at their peak and they're at the top. With Teddy Sheringham, he's towards the twilight years of his career, still got bundles of quality, obviously, but what's it like when someone's at that stage of their career? I think the way Teddy plays, it didn't really matter that he was touching 40 over 40 41 years old because he's just got so much awareness of knowing where space that was his I don't think his ever game was ever built around pace or running in the channels that sort of thing I think his longevity was because of how clever he was so he was probably as effective and as good as a 30 year old as he was a 40 year old he was always obviously I was lucky enough to play with some incredible strikers at Man United but he was always for me as a player my favourite one to play with in terms of you could wrap the ball into him play little one-twos with him and he'd always give it back to you perfectly so it was I was buzzing to go to West Ham and play with Teddy again. In terms of West Ham as a club you mentioned scraping into the playoffs was it how did how did you reflect in your time at West Ham overall? Yeah, I think I was in and out the team. I, I thoroughly enjoyed my time at West Ham. Obviously, it was great to be part of that squad that got promoted back to the Premier League. I think after I left Man United and had sort of a few injury problems, I was always, for the next probably five, six years, trying to change the what I was as a player because I was used to, I'd been brought up just getting the ball and running with the ball, going down the outside of players on the wing and trying to get crossed in a box where I didn't probably have that extra power and pace to do that. I was sort of changing my game of trying to be a bit more clever, 
coming inside, receiving the ball between the lines and sort of playing a different way as a wide man. So wide man, I think it probably took me five, six years to sort of, to get that right to completely change my game. So it was, I wouldn't say I excelled as a player at West Ham, but really enjoyed my time there. And obviously I think the worst, the best thing possible for the club was obviously getting promotion back to the Premier League. But I signed a new contract there. But when we went up, obviously the standard of player rose and they signed Yossi Benayin from, I can't remember where from, but he was an absolute world of a player. And unfortunately, he played in the same position as me, which sort of meant I was surplus to requirements sort of thing. So probably I would have stayed at West Ham a bit longer if they didn't get promoted to the Premier League. It's interesting, as you see, how that can happen for, for players when the, a championship team does go up. And, and you then move on. You, you go to Stoke City. Now, the Stoke City you joined at the time is not the Stoke City that maybe people remember from the sort of Premier League era under Pulis where they were there consistently. But it's always been a club that's been well regarded by so many people. What was it like when you initially went there? Because Tony Pulis wasn't the gaffer when you joined initially. No, so the manager that took me there was Johan Boskamp. He was a, a Dutch manager but worked for many years in Belgium. So he knew me from my spell at Antwerp. And... Um, I think as a player I've always just sort of if I'm not going to play somewhere I'd rather go and play somewhere else so given the chance to go to Stoke and go and play some games I jumped at the chance really to go up there and it's a a great club again I've been lucky throughout my career to play for really good clubs and Stoke again it weren't the Premier League days but it was still a real good place to play football real passionate group of fans that really get behind the team so it was um an enjoyable time up at Stoke, but again, as time went on, I never really, my family never really settled up there, so I was always looking to to get settled and be back down south, really. In terms of Stoke, you mentioned the fact that the, you've got the, the, the Dutch manager, boss camp when you go in, but then Tony Pulis eventually does take over. Did that change things for you? It changed the the way we played, because obviously Tony Pulis... Johan was more sort of wanted his teams to play a lot more freedom in the game where Tony gets his team in great shape in and out of possession and sort of was more had to be more disciplined in the way we played. Tony Pulis, one of the the best people I've ever met in football. He was again similar to Sir Alex and Stan, where he cared for his players so much and to a like I said earlier, to a player that means so much. I had the opportunity when Tony took back over to go to Norwich but he said that he wanted me to stay and I sort of accepted that decision but said I was sort of keen to get back down south and after a bit of time he noticed it was affecting me more off the pitch than anything else and sort of was happy to let me go because it might have been better for the football club for me to stay but he was more cared more for me as a person and which is the most important thing so I'd nothing but but he's an incredible man, Tony Pulis. I feel privileged to have worked under him. I recently interviewed Danny Higginbottom and he was at Stoke at that time. What was Danny like as a character? Yeah, I was lucky lucky enough to play with Danny as a young player at Man United. And he's a, he's a great lad. Like He's always bubbly. He's doing really well for himself now. I see him on bloody TV a lot of the time now. I couldn't see that when we were younger. But he's a, he's a, he's a, great, he's a great teammate and he's a a really good guy who had a fantastic career in the game. Another one probably similar to me who didn't 
make it at Man United, but because of them standards that he took on board there, had a great career in the game. Somebody I've got to ask you about when it comes to Stoke City is uh, Ricardo Fuller. He's a player who I really like watching and loved watching. What was he like in and around the squad? Ricardo was so chilled out. He's probably one of the most laid-back fellas I've ever played with. But what talent the man had. Like He could have he played a lot of games in the Premier League, but I feel if he didn't have... like He always struggled with his knees a little bit, but I do feel that he could have played maybe even at a higher level at a top club because the talent he had was incredible really he was of such a natural dribbler with a ball could finish like had so much going for him but I think like didn't always couldn't always keep himself fit for a real extended period of time but he was a gifted gifted player something that I'm interested to talk to you about is the move to Norwich when you go there someone who manages you it's Peter Grant, who's well-known to me, obviously been based in Scotland. He's, he's managing again up here with, with a part-time club, Alloa, um, doing a really good job. He's someone who's highly regarded in, in football. What was he like as a manager? Because I know he was, he's someone who loves working with young players, especially, but what was he like with yourself? Yeah, so I knew Grant Peter was the um, Alan Pardew's assistant at West Ham. So I worked with him, obviously, for the season at West Ham. And then he got the Norwich job. I think Norwich was his first managerial role for Peter and I think um, he cared so much I think it was a club that he had incredible history with and when things started going wrong I think he sort of maybe he took things too personally as you can do as a manager and particularly as an inexperienced manager not in terms of he's a brilliant coach and had a lot of experience in that but was the the main man at Norwich probably for the first time and it just didn't it didn't work out, which was such a shame because a lot of the times when managers go, they sort of lose the dressing room and the players lose respect for the manager. But that was that was never the case with Granty because the lads loved him. We all loved him, but we just couldn't get out of a rut that we got ourselves in. And in the end, I think he sort of made the decision himself to step away from the football club. In terms of... Peter Grant, as you mentioned there, he's, he's replaced by Glenn Roder, who's an interesting character. He's someone who fascinates me. I remember watching him when he was involved at, at times at Newcastle. But what was he like as a character? Because I don't know, I, I, I'm interested to know more about him because he, he seems like, when you watch him on the touchline, he seems like a kind of a guy who likes to study the game a lot. But what's he like in terms of working on a daily basis? Has he got a temper? Yeah, I think he came into Norwich and it was he was nothing like what I was expecting, really. And then a few of the lads at Norwich had worked with him before and said, like, he, he was never like that before. He sort of came in to sort of maybe the club was struggling at the time, probably saw it as the best to come in and maybe rule with an iron fist. But it just didn't, it didn't really seem natural the way he was acting. And I never really, I wouldn't say I particularly enjoyed my time playing under Glen Road. But at the same time, that's my responsibility as well. And what a fantastic career he had in the game. But I'd say that's probably the least I've enjoyed my football throughout my career was playing when Glen was the manager at Norwich. In terms of Norwich, what's it like playing at Carroll Road? And you played alongside one of the Norwich icons and Darren Huckabee. Just how good was he? Yeah, Hux was like, is so 
gifted in running with a ball. He's something, someone that I'd pay to go and watch play for because you love players like that that will get on the ball, run with a ball. And his end quality was superb as well. Probably a little bit underrated in terms of the way he'd play on the left and come back on that right foot to either score goals or find crosses. He was an exceptional player. Maybe could have worked a little bit harder with his defending, but he could certainly get a crowd on their feet, and that's for sure. And he had a like an absolute legend at Carroll Road. I think, my, the, sorry, what was the, I've completely lost track there speaking about Hucks. Just um, him and playing at Carroll Road. Yeah, sorry, playing at Carroll Road, it was a, a brilliant crowd to play in front of. I don't, no matter what league, I played against them when they were at League One, and obviously they got to the Premier League, there's always a full house at Carroll Road, whatever. It's probably a lot different to West Ham. I think Norwich is a a really nice crowd, as it were. It's probably, they always stick with a team, whatever's happened. They love their football in Norfolk. And it was, um, it's a great place to play football. And the fans thoroughly deserve the success they, they've got now being back in the Premier League. It's a club that deserves Premier League football. And it, it always gets the crowds there. It always sells out, no matter what league they've, they've played in over the years. When we mentioned Norwich, we've got to talk about the derby matches with Ipswich and you make an immediate impact as soon as you go to Norwich against the rivals. Yeah, I was absolutely buzzing to sign for Norwich. Obviously, I'd been probably waited about three, four months to get to get it all done, to get the family all back home, to be living back home. And then went into the first game, had a good, probably signed a couple of days before the Ipswich game, had a good couple of days training, felt good. Started the game, we was under the cosh, they were on top, but then managed to score on my debut in the at Portman Road. The crowd was singing me now. I was thinking, this is perfect. Then to about 10 minutes before the end, got pushed off the like sort of barged in the back off the pitch and got a terrible injury. And it all went from the the best debut in the world to the worst within a matter of about 45 minutes, I think. You mentioned the fact you go from that high of scoring against the arch rivals to the injury. Injuries was something that troubled you during your time at Norwich. What was that like and how tough is battling an injury both physically and mentally? Yeah, I think that was the injury that I picked up at Portland Road was without a doubt the most, the hardest injury to get over and sort of mentally and physically because it was something that was, it was like a serious cut to the knee, which is something that you the physios aren't used to treating and I thought, didn't know how long it was. I think if you've got, if you do your cruise sheet, you've got a plan of getting back in nine to 12 months. But with the the cut, no one really knew what to expect. It, the swelling would just not go down for months on end. And it was just horrible not knowing, particularly obviously just signing for a new club as well. Everyone's asking, when are you going to be back? And just not knowing made it mentally so a real challenging time. All Injuries that you have are obviously tough mentally, but not knowing is, is the worst thing in the world. But at the same time, I think every injury I've had, and I've had a few, it's given me an opportunity to become a, a stronger and a better person from it, which is obviously a positive to come out of all the injuries. Something, I'm, I'm kind of putting you in the spot with this question, I hope you don't mind. When you were at Norwich, West Ham, Burnley, Reading, you were always playing in the Championship. When you then move on to MK Dons, what made you be willing to drop down to League One at that time? So I was really sort of Norwich. I was really unhappy at Norwich in a t- at the time in terms of it just never uh, of such a high of signing and then 
a couple of 18 months down the line, it, it just never really got going. So I really wanted to just start afresh somewhere and just try. And I remember speaking to my agent and obviously MK Don's is quite close, is close to my house. I just wanted to be at home. I wanted to be settled. And it just, it did appeal to me to, to speak to them because it was so new at the stadium I'd saw on seen on TV looked unbelievable. And I just fancied the chance of going to something fresh and just really trying to get settled and playing some football. It certainly was a good move for you in the sense that you, you, you were scoring goals in your first season there, um, which was good. You also, one of the memorable ones was getting a late equaliser in a 2-2 draw against Crewe. I mean, see when you score late on in a game to, to get an equaliser in dramatic fashion, does it feel like a win? Yeah, I think to score, when you don't score that many, to score any goal feels unbelievable. But like you say, to, to nick a late equaliser is sometimes as good as winning a game because you just feel like you've, you've snatched something at the end of a game. So it was a really, um, I really did love my time at MK Dons. It was a successful time for you and you're a, you're a player who's very highly regarded by the fans there because, I mean, player of the season, two years running. Yeah, I think they, I'd got myself probably at that stage into the, the fittest that I'd been. I sort of had a lot of it and in terms of changing my style of play, I'd sort of moved a bit more inside by this, start, this stage of my career, playing in a number 10 position that suited me quite a lot. And I think I... I was always a player that would work as hard as I possibly could. And I think that endeared me to the fans there, the fact that I would put a shift in and obviously had a little bit of quality as well. Something that fascinates me about MK Dons as a club at that time was some of the managers you worked with, Roberto Di Matteo, Paul Ince. What were those two like? Because massive names in the game. Yeah, probably complete opposites. Robbie was a real quiet man, but obviously tactically astute he worked with Eddie Newton another ex-Chelsea player and they had really bounced off each other well Eddie done a lot of the coaching but Robbie wouldn't speak a lot but when he did obviously everyone listened and then Paul Paul Ince I loved working under Paul Ince he was one of my favourite players growing up when I was watching Man United and watching the Premier League so it was a it was great to work under him and uh, he used to I think a lot of his frustration was probably he used to join in training a lot and he was still far and away the best player. So probably couldn't sort of maybe frustrated that we weren't at the level that he was as a player and sort of couldn't get us playing the way that he sort of wanted us to. You worked under, as you say, two of those big names. I mean, Di Matteo, a Champions League winner as a manager. You've got Paul Ince, who has achievements in the game, are absolutely incredible, won many league titles, played for Inter Milan. They, you, those two big names and then you get Carol Robinson who is a coach who I really admire I like the way he talks about the game I like his passion what was he like to work with? Yeah it was great it was a, we was all a bit shocked when Carl got given a job obviously Paul had just gone and I think whereas sort of Robbie and Paul got the players respect instantly because of what they'd done as players Carl had to, which was probably a good thing, had to work harder to sort of build more relationships with the players. So he was absolutely brilliant at that. Like you say, he speaks really well. He's so passionate about football. And once he gained the trust of the players and he built a reputation for himself, he sort of found a way that he wanted to play and stuck with it, whatever, what, whatever happened. So it was, um, I admire Carl for how he built 
a career in management from not really having the background of a playing career and that was a real young age I think he was 29 at the time when he got the manager's job so he's done fantastically well he's obviously still doing well at Oxford now in terms of the guys you played alongside I want to start with one of the stalwarts him Kedons and and Dean Lewington he's been there for for what feels like forever what was he like yeah he's just always sort of never injured great attitude captain can be a bit um like it's hard to play against I played against him a couple of times as a player and he's not lightning quick so you always you think you um could get a chance to beat him one-on-one but he's so intelligent with his defending in terms of the body shape he gets into is is not easy to beat but I think his best quality is on the ball he, he fights so many moves at MK Dons are started off by his first pass from the left back position in terms of breaking lines and choosing intelligent passes are probably a massively underrated player that if he weren't so loyal to MK Dons, I think could play could have played at a higher level. Someone who is linked to Scotland I need to ask you about is Paul Slane. Um, he's very, very famous in Scotland now because he's doing one of the biggest, well, the biggest podcast in the country. Um, and he's become a big character who doesn't mind giving his opinions in the game and showcasing his personality. What do you remember from him when he came to MK Dons from Celtic? I remember Slaney coming down as um, on loan, a talented young winger. I don't think he played that much at the time. I think that was quite frustrating for him. I think he obviously wanted to come down, make a point and play, but didn't play that many games. But he was a, like you say, it doesn't surprise me to hear that he's a real popular guy because he was a real bubbly personality and was a nice, a great lad to have around the dressing room. What was his ability like? Because he's someone who talks about the fact he's been through injuries and tough times mentally, but a lot of people who have, have played with him did, back in the day say that he was a really good player. Yeah, I think Carl, the gaffer, spoke a lot about him when he come down, saying that he had a real big reputation. He'd seen him play a lot of times. He was a real exciting player. I think he liked to get on the ball, run with it. And in training, he looked like that sort of player. I think sometimes it's hard when you come on loan from a big club to accept that you're, you're not in the team straight away because you maybe feel you should be. But he, when you go into League One football, it's, you probably have to wait for your chance a little bit. But he was a, oh, a real talented player, very talented player. You mentioned, we mentioned Paul there, the, the talent he had. He, he admits himself, he didn't go on to the career that his ability had. But one young player you played with who did go on to, to make the absolute most of his talents was, was Delhi Alley. What was he like as a kid? And, and one of the stories I heard about Delhi recently was from Mike Calvin, where he, they went to watch a game. He, Mike went to watch a game and he said the other team were trying to rough Delhi up and he was just taking it in his stride and, and basically laughing about the fact that these senior pros were trying to rough him up and he just absolutely loved the battle. Yeah, so there was a, a group at MK that was coming through the academy that were had some exceptionally talented players. There was Delhi. Brendan Galloway, George Williams, that came up and trained with the first team while they were still at school. And you could see immediately that they were all brilliant players. But I think Delhi just had that little bit more. I remember his first pre-season with us as a 16-year-old boy. He was out running everyone. That doesn't really happen. And he'd just have so much confidence in possession. He'd nutmeg players. We, I think the lads thought sometimes it was a bit of, arrogance which probably it was so he used to get 
absolutely smashed a lot of the time, like whacked on the floor. But I think what was different about him, he'd never moan about it, never sort of stay down. He'd always just jump back up and start playing again. Incredibly gifted player. Which, When he went to Spurs, I weren't surprised at all. But to see the impact that he made so quickly was was surprising. He just sort of went on and went on. And it's a pleasure to see someone who started at a lower league club to go and have the career that he started having. We talked about the fact that you were very popular as a player at MK Dons. You were playing some really good football. You mentioned your fitness and getting yourself to a real standard. Someone else that came to the club with a similar background to you, having been at the top and then coming down, you could see MK Dons as such, was, was Alan Smith. Both of you, when you were there, as I say, had really good times there. Two players that made a real impact on that MK Dons side. What was it like playing with him? And did you enjoy playing with him from the point of view that you could understand him and he could understand you, having been at the top level and now been in League One? Yeah, it was great. It was great to play with Smithy. I played with him when we were kids. We played in the England under-18 and under-21 teams together. And then <clears throat> he signed for Man United maybe a couple of months before I left. So I'd, I knew Smithy from before. And he is... When I spoke about Roy Keane at the start in terms of training, I think he took us on a level at MK Dons because he'd want training like he'd want the standards of training to be raised every day and he'd put that effort in. And I think when people see players like Alan Smith doing that day in, day out, it sort of drags them on a little bit as well for them to do the same thing. So he was a, a massive part of the involvement of MK Dons and the improvement at the club. You mentioned that improvement at the club. We've all seen the stadium. It's a very impressive stadium. It's clearly been built and it's set up for future success if the club can progress. Just how gutting was it to miss out in promotion to the championship during your time there? Yeah, it's always a disappointment. We always used to seem to be in and around the playoffs, but just couldn't go that last step. We had a real talented squads at the time, some really good players. And I do think if we did get through that lottery of the playoffs, we could have consolidated in the championship for the club to kick on again. I think a year or after I left, they went up to the championship but couldn't really consolidate and stay there to get ready to kick on again and come straight back down again. But it was, um, it is a disappointment that during my time, we didn't get promoted. But it was great to see the club go up because there's great people there. The chairman's a great man. And it, was, it would have been interesting to see if they could hang on a bit in the league and then maybe put a bit more investment behind it and look for a place in the Premier League. Absolutely. And a very successful time there, very popular with the fans, winning the, the personal accolades that you did during your time there. Ultimately, was moving to Cambridge just too good to turn down in the sense that your, your hometown club, your base there, was that just the perfect way to, to, to go for the last few years of your career? Yeah, so it's a bit of a strange story, the, the Cambridge one. So... I knew that I was sort of legs weren't what they once were and maybe performing not at the level that I could sustain at MK Dons. And I first went and spoke to the manager and Gary Waddock was his assistant at the time and said, explain that I'd always been a massive fan of Cambridge United. I've always dreamed about playing there and I want to speak to them. So it was actually me that went and sort of told Cambridge that I'm interested in coming there and then signed off the back of that meeting, really. So, like you say, it was the place I wanted to end my career, and it was a, a dream come true signing for Cambridge United. 
In terms of the move there, one of the things that we've talked about was the fact that you got that tie in the FA Cup against Manchester United when Louis van Gaal was the manager. You draw with them at your place and then get the replay. I mean, just describe those games because it was very special and I imagine for yourself very special as well because you were on Football Focus and the TV quite a lot during that time. Yeah, yeah I've never been a, a massive fan of that sort of thing, but obviously the story of Man United, Cambridge United, it was always going to be a lot of publicity around that. But uh, I remember watching the draw at home on the BBC One with the misses and kids and when the, the draw come through it was it was bedlam in the house we couldn't believe it and everyone was shouting and screaming and it was obviously a, a dream tie to get the draw at the abbey was incredible and then to go back up to old trafford it was that it was the first time i'd been back to play there since i'd left the club what 12 13 years before so it was um a dream come true it was a dream draw a dream draw and a dream result at home and it was a game that was, was very interesting. I remember watching it at the time and thinking, you could have beat them that night. Yeah, but I think we obviously held our, ran our luck at times, but had the opportunity to score a couple of goals. In all honesty, I think the club was happier to draw and go up to Old Trafford than to get the win because obviously the financial implications for a small club, club like Cambridge and to go and play at Old Trafford was, was huge for the club at the time. A huge tie and you mentioned the fact that when you're young you don't really appreciate as such well, appreciate is not the wrong word is, is the wrong word sorry when you're really young you maybe don't really take in the surroundings of playing at Old Trafford because you're young you're fearless you just get on with things whereas you mentioned earlier on getting back there as an older player and, and taking it all in is that one what one tie you're just very grateful to the, the football gods, if it were, for making that happen so that you could you could then go full circle and take take your whole career in um, with hindsight, really? Oh, without a doubt, doubt yeah. I think um, it turned out that the game at Old Trafford was actually the last game I ever started as a professional footballer. So it's a nice little story to end up there. But I remember sort of in the hotel before fantasising about really running the show at Old Trafford against Man United and really putting a good performance. But when I got back out on the pitch, it was always a struggle to get a touch on the ball, let alone run the show. But just to take it in the surroundings, like I said at the start, it didn't feel real that I'd played regularly there years and years ago. So to be back on that surface, and it was, um, it was wonderful for me, but more importantly, it meant so much for the football club. You mentioned that was the last game you started. What was it like when it came to retiring as a professional footballer? Is that something that you were prepared for or was it something you struggled to come to terms with? Because I've spoken to a few players and it's always a mixed bag. Yeah, I massively, massively struggled. I don't think I, sort of, I weren't prepared at all. I think as you go through playing football, you sort of expect it to go on forever. I sort of went through the process of doing my coaching badges, but at the same time think, oh, I'll just keep playing for another few years. So when it did finally end, it came as such a shock and felt so sort of lost at what to do now. It was, a, it was um, looking back, it's probably the toughest period of my life to date that I've had. You mentioned the tough times. Is it mentally when you finish football and is, is missing that camaraderie in the dressing room and getting on the pitch just really hard to replicate with, with everyday life? Yeah, it's a hard one because I, when I played football, I weren't, 
I'd sort of be one that sort of turned up for training and then go straight home. It weren't like I was massively in I think it's the whole, I think the biggest thing that I struggle with, that sort of loss of identity of what, what am I now? Everyone used to know me as Luke, he plays football, but sort of what am I now? I think I found that really hard and probably just now sort of, what, four or five years after finishing, maybe starting to come to terms with it now and getting over it. It's a, it's, it's so hard to explain, but I, I, you know, when you see, when you're playing and you see people thinking, you see people stopping playing and they're really struggling, you're wondering what's up with them. But when it happens to you, I think it really does hit home at what of the magnitude of stopping playing football is. When you finished from Cambridge, you retired from professional football, you get involved in some coaching and, and helping out at a kind of non-league type level. What was that like and, and what are you looking to achieve in the future in coaching? So I, when I finished, I played for a bit of non-league football for my mate, uh, a team called Soham Town Rangers. He was a manager and I, I absolutely loved that, to be fair. It was such a different world. I used to get a little brown envelope at the end of the game with a bit of money and my missus didn't know anything about it. So I had a bit of money to myself for the first time in my life. So it was... Um, a nice little thing. And then I went into coaching. I sort of slipped into coaching because you don't really know what to do when you finish your career. So I thought I'll just go down that route and <clears throat> got a job at Cambridge United in a full-time job in the academy, but worked there for a few years. And although there was great aspects to the job, I didn't, I don't think I was that passionate about it. I didn't love what I was doing. So it was, it was hard. There's, I don't think there's ever going to be anything that, replicates being a professional football but I want to find something that is as close to that feeling as possible really. In terms of yourself what is it you're up to now and and what are you considering for your future? So at the moment I'm involved in an organisation called the, the Football Fun Factory which is all about kids from two, two years old, old to 12 year olds just coming to football sessions and enjoying it. Nothing about developing into professional footballers, just using for football as a vehicle for positive life skills and something that kids can fall in love with under no pressure, really. So I'm real passionate about that in terms of, of growing that. Our ambition is to, to have football fun factories all over the world, if possible, just to try and grow our, our organisation, our brand for, for a positive and to help children enjoy playing football. So that's, I'm really passionate about that at the moment. So that might be something that sets me in good stead for the rest of my life. I think it will. And I'm, I have to be honest with you, Luke, I think something that have been spoken to, to many people with this podcast about kids and coaching is one of the things that so many people say is that kids from a very young age are overcoached and there's not enough of playing football for fun and, and getting that chance to play a game and try to be creative. I mean, I spoke to Matt Letizia recently, and when you look at someone like him, his style of play, off the cuff, trying new things, a sort of street footballer, if you will. I mean, look at the elite level, even now, Wayne Rooney. I know he's at Derby now, but he was a player who you could tell was formed in the street and through fun, as you've said. I think that's something that's a great idea, and I wish you all the best with that, because I think it's important that kids get to, like we all did when we were younger, when maybe we could have played in the street, there maybe wasn't as many cars, etc., was just play football for the love of it first. And if you're good at it and you go and get coached when you're older, fantastic. But the fun needs to be in it, I think. Yeah, without a doubt. I think the what we're trying, obviously working in academy was great, but you're working for that 
minute percent that have got the opportunity of becoming footballers, but we're more thinking about that other 98% that, that doesn't and festering a love because whether you play football in a Premier League or for the local village team, you want to love what you're doing. And I think that is, is such a healthy thing to do and to, to play in a team. It means so much. So it's just really looking to get as many kids as possible participating in football but there's no pressure on it. It's just, it is purely just fun. That sounds great. And I'd like to finish with around the quick fire questions with you. First of all, being the best player you played with? Skulls. Best against? Thierry Henry. Most underrated player you played with? Oh, I've not had that one before. Robbie Blake. Most inspirational captain? Roy Keane. Other than Alec Ferguson, because he's the obvious answer, best manager of your career and why? I'd have to say Carl, because I spent the most time under him and he sort of, it was so fresh and so new. I'm lucky enough to play under some brilliant ones, but I think because of the length of time I spent with Carl, I'd have to say Carl Robinson. You know, on football ones, beach holiday or city break? Beach holiday. Favourite band? Oasis. Favourite film? Step Brothers. Favourite beer? Uh, Estrella. Oh, good choice. <laughs> uh, biggest character you played with in football? Uh, Dion Dublin. And if you had to choose a five-a-side team from all the players you played with, who would be in it and why? Oh... I'd say it's probably going to be heavily Man United players. I'd say Fabian Bartes in goal, because I think he'd have a bit with his feet as well, coming out a little bit. Yap Stam at the back, big, strong player. Ain't going to let much past him. Keane and Skulls as a midfield two. And I think I'd stick myself up front, because I don't reckon I could... Um, make that lot lose a game. I might get a couple of goals myself as well. <laughs> Look, thanks for joining me. No worries at all. Enjoyed talking to you. So we'll dive down to the ocean And we'll make our home in a deep sea cave And our shells will all be open They'll be filled with song, they'll be filled with song We'll dive down to the ocean And we'll make our home